Paul and, and Sue are, uh, are um, uh, friends of uh, our church, our sister church in Bath. Bath. Um, Bath, England. And so uh, they're, uh, they're going to come. I, it's, I don't know, both of them or just Paul are going to come on up and he's going to just share his heart with us tonight. So let's, let's just receive. Thank you. Yeah, come and say something. Come on. Just say something. Prophesy or something. <laughs> well, I just want to say hello. Yeah. Thank you for your welcome. We've been in your country now for nearly a week. A week. Almost a week. And it's, we've been treated so well. We've yeah. just been looked after amazingly. Um, and just bowled over by everybody's kindness and generosity. And just so... Thank you. Looking forward to being with you this evening. Thank you. You've got lovely eyes, haven't you? <laughs> hey, yeah, thanks, guys. It is a pleasure to be with you. You're kind of over here, so I can see what you mean about the rolling head, all right? I'm going to keep going like this because I like to see you all, but um, we're really grateful for your welcome. We've just eaten with John and Audrey and... John and Katie, and that was real fun. And just sense the Holy Spirit. This is such a special day we're in, all of us. Um, I could go to the left here, but I'm going to try and be focused because Tom has asked me to talk about something. I'm going to stay on it, but um, I'm going to do two little sessions with a break in between. But I, I, I guess I just want to say, do not lose heart in these days. Because where there seems to be, you know, immense upheaval and sort of, uh, what can you say, just shakings everywhere, I honestly believe the Lord himself is powerfully getting his people ready to be in line with what he wants to do. So don't lose heart. I, I, could, I don't know how to say it really. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Because he... He, he is moving from heaven in remarkable ways. And I want to listen to the right news, don't you? Yeah. I really do. I just can't, I can't afford to listen to too much rubbish when the Holy Spirit's got such wonderful things to say to us. Yes, you look really serious. I'm trying to, you know. Um, but honestly, we are, we are in remarkable days. And I don't mean that to be all soupy. I, I really don't because there's great challenges. But... Um, if you hear if you hear the Holy Spirit, He's tugging on all of our hearts to come with Him in a whole new way. So, okay. So Tom asked us to share a little bit about um, uh, deepening a relationship with the best, the best Father you could ever have. How many of you like the thought of that? Um, and I'm I'm kind of trusting that not it won't be through clever preaching, but it will be by the Holy Spirit tugging on your heart tonight that he can just ease you closer to the wonderful sense of being fathered more than you've ever known i'm trusting that because that's the holy spirit's work and um we we've kind of been on the road longer than most of you because you all look really young which is a bit scary really but anyways um we've been on the road for a long time and I, in my life i can see two distinct chapters one the first 25 years and the second is the second 25 years. And I would honestly, in a very simple way, say the first 25 years, I had an orphaned heart. 
but God had called me and anointed me. How many know you can have both? And the second half after the most dreadful storm in my life, I discovered, which I'd never had, I did, began to discover that the God who I worshipped also really, really wanted to father me. And the shift was so massive, I can't pretend that I've kind of made it, but I've discovered something that made such a difference. I just hope a little bit will rub off. And, you know, you may know everything I say. You may be way ahead. I, that's absolutely fine. But we're all together saying, Holy Spirit, fall afresh on all of us here, aren't we? So that, that sort of two chapters has been huge. And I was laughing, um, laughing. So we flew in uh, this afternoon and... John and Audrey, who I'd never met before, <clears throat> were in the, the um, arrivals area of the airport. And they had this little sign with our names on. But I missed the sign, so they had to call us. But I thought, well, how did you know who we were? And he said, well, we had a picture of a skinny older man and a beautiful lady, and we knew it was you. So <clears throat> that settled it. But, you know, let me illustrate something in this, in that... Um, uh, our kids used to be in other countries quite a lot, and I had made many airport trips to meet them. And I don't know what it is, and I, I'm not a perfect dad. We've got five kids, but we've had a wonderful run with it. And I, I always remember when they were coming back from another country that one of my delights was to go and collect them from the airport. And even the day before, my whole heart was starting to dream and think about the moment they'd come out of the arrivals. I hadn't seen them. We hadn't seen them for months and months. They worked down in Africa. And uh, I always remember driving up the motorway, which is like two, the highway, whatever you call it, for two hours. And all the time in driving, I was imagining the moment they'd come out of the door. I know where it is. I was imagining them coming out, and I was imagining not being able to hold myself back from running towards them. And it was funny how I, I just kept thinking about it, going over and over and over that moment when they'd come out. And I'd get to the airport and park the car, and then there'd be always a row of, there'd be a row of people, not like you, I'm not criticizing you, there'd be a row of people, and they'd be stood there with the name tags of the people they were meeting. And they'd be kind of like, John Smith, Archibald Teeterdum. And they'd all be stood there, you see, and they're just the faces were deadpan. Because <laughs> they'd never met the person they were meeting. It's a job they do. They do 20 a day and they're bored out of their heads with it. But for me as a dad, the intense excitement was I'd always arrive early and they'd always be late. So I'd be stood at the barrier here and you're not allowed past the barrier. But I could not. It was almost like, get the barrier out. And I'd be looking and looking and looking at them coming out. And then when they came out, of course, stuff the barrier. I just, I just, I would just kind of hurtle. And you know why I was hurtling. I was hurtling because I could not wait to get my arms around them and welcome them home. That's not being emo what it is being emotional. I mean, God's got emotions, hasn't he? Look at me, hasn't he? I'm really nervous if he hasn't because I've got them and I'm made in his image. And so, you know, it's like, but, but you understand it? And so, and so I'm not, but it was like every time I went, it was the same thing. I, I could hardly stop myself running and the kind of serious people were looking for John Smith John Smith you John Smith come with me and off they go but I had my arms around them and it was our grandkids and you know and it 
I, I can't describe the feeling every time they've come home. I've got them. And of course, that's a tiny, tiny, tiny little window, honestly, into this extraordinary father. And we think sometimes we're trying to find him to get close to him. And it's the wrong way around because he, way more than I ever did, is intently looking for you and me to find us and bring us home. Isn't that the gospel? I mean, oh, you say, I know that. Well, like, God bless you if you know that. I want to go deeper than ever in that. That wonder that the God of all heaven is actually the best father I could ever want. And all the time he's looking to find me. All the time. He never stops. I think the center of the, of the gospel, Luke fifteen twenty, says this. It, I, it grips me. I can't think. It says, when he was still a long way off. And most believers struggle because they think their long way offness means he probably doesn't even, isn't even interested in them. But the Bible says, I think it's the message version, says his heart pounding within him. Oh, come on, that can't be God and me, can it? Can it? Yeah, either is or isn't it? Either he is this extraordinary father who, is this going anywhere, this microphone, do you mind? I feel really nervous. You look really serious now. What's he going to do? See, what, forgive me, what's your name? Adam. Adam. What a great name. See, because what he does every time he looks for you, however far off you are, if he can get you to come close, the only thing he wants to do is give you the embrace of love that your whole being craves for. You think, oh, no, 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 this is the centerpiece of the gospel. This is the love of God shed abroad. This is the heart of the kingdom that we live for. It's a kingdom of, of, of a father's love flooding a human being and bringing them home and them thinking, how can it be when I've made such a mess that he'd be looking for me not to tell me off and give me a whack. He'd be looking for me because the only thing he wants to do is to pour his Abba's love deep inside me because I was made for that. That's the gospel, guys. I can't give you cleverness. All I can tell you, that's the heartbeat of God himself. And it doesn't matter who you are, because when he says when he was still a long way off, it gives every one of us permission to be found by him, however far off you may feel. And so even tonight, you know, I, I, I don't know, we're going to pray, aren't we? We're going to say, Holy Spirit, sweep us up back into the arms of the one who loves us. Because it doesn't matter how far off you are, he's still looking. He's, he really is. He's just like, come on, trust me. And I, don't, I don't know how you see him. and I, you know, he, I don't know how you see his face. But I know in my own life, having come from a very orphaned background, I don't mean literal orphan, but orphaned heart. Does that make sense to you? A kind of heart that felt so alone from being really fathered. I know my internal struggles to really believe that's how he feels about me. But my news for you tonight is it's way better than I can describe to you. 
Otherwise, I'm going to negate the power of the cross of Jesus Christ that flung the doors open for you and me to come home. And, you know, um, that I, I can't just read scriptures and put them on the fridge and hope one day it works. I, 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 can't, I can't do that. I get, they get cold, don't they? <laughs> I, I didn't mean to say that. It just, I, I, I'm sorry. It was like, it's been a long day. <laughs> But they do, don't they? They're on the fridge, but they're not beating in my heart with the warmth of what I was made for, which was to have a papa's affection beating inside me. How great. How great. How great is the love the Father has lavished on Adam that he would be called one of God's sons. Great verse, eh? But I can't, can I plumb, without the Holy Spirit, can I get to the depths of that? I could go around and name each one of you and look at the eye and say, you have no idea. To be lavished by a papa. To look at you and say, come home. I want you. I want you. I really want you. And this word lavish fascinates me. I wish God would use kind of quieter, more minimal words. <laughs> like kind of like, I could kind of, yeah. Because why? Because I'm not sure I deserve anything like that. And so if he uses a lesser word, I'll feel better about it rather than thinking, it can't be me because of how I've been doesn't deserve lavish. Does that make sense? You have to talk with me. I'm really nervous. But, but I looked the word lavish up. I looked it up in a dictionary to impress you. And, and, and Webster's dictionary is fascinating. Do you know what it says about the word lavish? It says one of the meanings is a heavy downpour. How great is the love the Father has heavily downpoured upon me that I should be called one of his children. Oh, yes, I know about that doctrine. Ah, no, I'd like to plumb the depths of it for the rest of my days until I'm utterly wrecked with being so wanted by the Papa who made me. Wouldn't you? Oh, isn't religion a bummer? You know, I get it right, stupid. Is bummer okay or have you used a bad word? <laughs> it's okay, John, John, just keep going like that. Okay, and see. Oh my God. But, but you understand, it's like one verse, but it's flooding scripture, this sound. Will you dare to believe? That really is how he feels about you. Because I tell you what, it will change the whole way your life goes. That's why my first 25 years is starkly contrasted with my second 25 years. Not because it all suddenly came right, but I stumbled into the one thing I craved but couldn't find. Because anointing, service, leadership will never do what a papa's love will do. And so I have to kind of constantly check in my heart, how, how do I really see his face, this father? 
if, 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 if it's mentioned 244 times in the New Testament that he's a father, I think that is the ultimate discovery a human being can make. Isn't it? And, and my, maybe, I don't know for you, the, the problem I found myself in as I've gone along the journey of following Jesus is I'm in a war. I feel like I'm in a war sometimes. You ever feel like you're in a war? Well, you are in a war. Okay, there's two kingdoms. <laughs> and one kingdom's under the father of the lies, and the other kingdom's under the father of immense love. So it's very different fathers. Jesus said the, the devil's the father of lies. That's interesting. You can be a son of the devil, the Bible describes it. You can be a son of your heavenly father and a daughter. When I say son, by the way, you want son, I mean daughter, don't you? Is that okay? Be careful of my language. Okay, all right. So, so here I'm in a war because this lying goes on along the lines of this. He's actually quite disappointed with you. This is the lie about the Heavenly Father and you and me and how you think he sees you. And the lie says this. He's actually quite disappointed, really, because you never come up to scratch. Nobody's ever felt that here, have they? He wishes, he, he wishes you'd do better. Listen to me, these are pernicious, horrible, undermining lies from the father of lies. He wishes you'd do better. He just kind of tolerates you, you know, because you believed in the cross and he has to, but there's no joy in his heart about you. Isn't it twisting? Do you understand? It's a twisting. He's pretty distant because he's busy with his favorites and you ain't one of them. You'll never be that close to him because your whole record stinks. Are these real? Do you ever get any of these? Well, I do because I felt my heart sometimes being in a war between this dragging sound over here that condemns me to almost like not dare to dream too much how close I can be to him. And then, of course, there's the stunning other sound that the Holy Spirit wants to win inside us. That says, this is the daughter I love. This is the daughter I love. And that sound that can change deep inside us. This, and everything within us screams, no, it can't be so. But the Holy Spirit will keep singing in this wonderful sense of, he promises he'll never leave you. This Papa, this Abba, this Father, I'm not, trying, I'm not portraying sugar daddy, I better stay still, hadn't I? I'm not portraying a sugar daddy. Do you understand? I am genuinely trying to capture something of what this book actually does disclose about him. I just don't have time to go through all the scriptures. Do you understand? But I'm, trying to, I'm just trying to capture the truth where he says, I'll never let go of you. I'll never stop loving you. I'll always be there for you. I absolutely believe you've got what it takes to be who I made you. And that father's backing, that, that strange sense of his arm around you all the time is the most incredible thing 
any son or daughter can experience, especially especially when you've had distorted experiences of what a father or mother is. Because that's the problem is in your, if you like, in your journey, your narrative, and you know all these things, I'm just going to, but in your narrative, there will be experiences of being fathered and mothered that are twisted and distorted and don't get you close to what he's really like. Because it's painful when you look at them. You know, um, this is amazing, but it illustrates it. So Martin Luther, who had the most stunning revelation, didn't he? What was his revelation? Talk to me. Say again. The just shall live by faith, or even underlying that, of course, was justification. You get to be clean, absolutely acceptable in his sight, just because you dared to believe in his blood. Does that make sense? What a revelation, wasn't it? It, changed. it was a game changer to the whole of the Christian scene. Amazing. This man had a revelation about standing before the Lord through faith and being acceptable. But guess what? The same man could not pray the Lord's Prayer. Well, come on, of course he could. I mean, this is a giant of faith. No, he couldn't pray the Lord's Prayer. And when they asked him why he couldn't pray, he said this. He said, every time I say our father, when I land on the word father, my earthly father's angry, moody, disapproving face comes and finds me. And I don't want to know a God who's like that. Jesus is cool. Holy Spirit, we love. <gasps> then you get this strange blank or even pain when the word father's mentioned. Why? Because all the memory of what's happened in natural life, you can't seem to pull it away and have a discovery about your Heavenly Father's face. Does that make sense? Amazing. When I read that, I thought, wow, the guy who had that revelation couldn't pray this. It was sort of Derek Prince. Do you know Derek Prince? The great, amazing Bible teacher. Amazing. Just, I mean, one of the most gifted teachers. Traveled the earth. But he himself confessed when he got depressed in the last years of his life, it took a discovery of God's fathering that finally settled it and stopped the depression. Amazing, isn't that? So my father was, and I love my father, this isn't about you know putting fathers down, you understand? I'm just trying to be honest and say my father was either absent or passive when present. And so, in turn, and, and I, I, he was a kind man, do you understand? But it gave me a deep inner emptiness. That when someone said, Father, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't feel any sense of relationship with such an idea because I never knew my father. Do you understand? So, when you come back to, well, God's a father, I go, <gasps> yikes, I don't know what that's, how do I, how do I find that? Well, I hope we'll find that a bit in a minute. But John Stan, so what I'm saying is those images, those painful th sort of experiences are often sometimes in the way of the stunning invitation where God says, I want to find you. Uh, do, do, do you know that um, I often murder songs? Do you ever murder songs? You try and sing them and they're dreadful. You just, you just... I've heard... 
I've heard a thousand stories of what they say you're like. How many know that song? Phew, just two of you. I can sing it and you won't know I got it wrong. I've heard a thousand stories of what they, who's they? It's a world that has no knowledge of what he's like, of what they say you're like. Listen, but I've heard the tender whispers of love in the dead of night. What's that saying? For the one who's hungry, when you can't find him in the noise of what this world is saying, he'll sneak up at times where you're almost beautifully open and a whisper will come in your heart that gives you a little further tug to discover what he's really like. God's very tender, isn't he? I don't believe in shouting and hollering and hoping he'll come because we kind of whipped up something. I believe he sneaks up and he just puts his wonderful fatherly arm and he just says, I'm going to say it again to you. You're the one I love. We go, oh, wait a minute, that's a little, ooh. no, that's, that's the tender whisper of love in the dead of night. And I don't want to sing songs that I don't experience because I'd rather not sing them but say, Lord, please give me another revelation of that. You're a good, good father. That's who you are. That's who you are. I want to pause. Good father. And I'm loved by you. That's who I am. Identity. I want to just sink into it. If the body of Christ just sank into that one massive discovery, what kind of army would be across the earth? And so I'm confessing I need constant encounters with that wonder because I know me, I know the battle, I know my backstory, but I'm heading forward into the discovery that Jesus won for me at the cross. How many of you would like a fresh encounter with his extraordinary smiling love upon your heart? Well, I'm, I'm in, aren't you? I kind of like, I'm not the speaker, I'm just, we're just a bunch of his kids saying, can we have more please, Papa? We, I mean, come on, guys. You, that's why I hate religion. It does odd things to us, doesn't it? And, and, and let me say it again. Let me say it again, please. The worst whisper of the enemy to because he hates you finding the Father. Can you hear him? Do you know why he hates you finding the Father? Because he's the great orphan spirit and he wants to reproduce his own kind into every human being he can find. But let me tell you, the Holy Spirit's a zillion times more powerful than you can ever be. I don't know where I'm going with this talk. I'm sorry. But we're going to finish in a minute because I promised Tom I would do two short talks. So this is the first short talk. But if I go on too long, one of you will tell Tom he went on a long time in the first short talk. Do you understand? So, 
Shall we read the Bible together before we finish this half? Then you can tell Tom we read the Bible. Okay. Just, I, I want to take you to a verse that's meant a lot to me. Uh, this is John 17. Hmm. John 17. Hmm. Do you know, while you're finding it, let me just, just... When I, when I said 25 years and 25 years, in the middle was a horrible patch. Anybody had a horrible patch in your journey? You look really sanctified, but I'm trusting as a few around who had a horrible patch. I had a horrible patch because we were very, very involved in, you know, kind of like leadership and ministry and all that stuff. And it was amazing. And I, I'm, I'm, only, I'm only trying to highlight something, not to magnify it, but to illustrate something. And in the horrible patch in one day, we, we lost everything we ever did in terms of ministry, church, in one day. And it completely broke me through and through and shattered me through and through. And I'll tell you, one of the reasons it did was um, un unwittingly I'd begun to put my whole identity in what I did. And when there was nothing, I was completely lost. Because I didn't know who I was outside of what I did. And you think, oh, I know all that stuff. Well, let me tell you, it's blooming painful when you go through it. Because you suddenly feel very naked indeed. Because there's nothing to show. But the Lord was in it because he wanted me to be found by him in that patch. Which is where it all started for me. When he showed up and loved me, I couldn't bear it because I hadn't got anything to justify it. You say, well, I know about that. Sometimes we're not. Sometimes it just needs to go deeper, doesn't it? That he loves me like crazy when I've got nothing in the bag. It was so painful. I'm talking about months and months and months. Anybody been through a wilderness where it goes on for months? <laughs> you understand? And there's nothing left, but of course the nothing left is the space in which he can now find me fully for who I am when I'm hiding behind so much else. So th that, was, that was so painful, but so game-changing, because it began a whole journey of realizing, oh my goodness, I've never had my hand in his hand as a dad. And here's what John 17 says. I did promise we'd finish soon. People with microphones don't always keep their promises. Okay. 1725, this, the background, you know it, but let me just say it quickly. You, you know that when someone's dying, they never say something superficial, unnecessary. They just don't. They don't say, please, by the way, make sure that door is painted. They, they just, they wouldn't, they'd be saying what really matters most of all as they head for the finish. Right? You, you know that. And here's Jesus as he's heading for the cross and, you, and, and this prayer of John 17 and the incredible rich, this Father is what I pray. 
as I head for the cross. And then here's the last verse of the last chapter of the whole of his ministry. And this is what the verse says. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, look at that, they don't know the Father. They have no knowledge of the Father, so we are living in an orphan planet, aren't we? That's really important, guys. They don't know the Father at all, so they're orphaned. I know you, Jesus model perfect sonship for us, and they know that you have sent me. They, being the disciples, have figured that Jesus had a father who'd sent him, and they were looking at the modeling of father and son. Now here's the prayer. I have made you known to them, and that word know is a constant, progressive experience. Not a fact in our brain. Oh, I've got three more facts about the Heavenly Father. Chunk, chunk, chunk. That would be outrageous. <laughs> it's a constant, progressive, stumbling discovery about how immensely kind and loving he is. And Jesus is praying for you and I. And I will continue to make you known in order that the files I can put together about your fathering get bigger and fatter than ever. Doesn't say that, does it? I was being really naughty. <laughs> I'm sorry. I would, I know. In order that the love you have for me, that's a papa's perfect love, may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Guys, this is radical, isn't it? I know it's hot and it's late evening, but stay with me. Because I sometimes pick on people and I didn't mean to. So let me just, just can, can, let me just, let me just, just, let me just disclose Jesus' prayer right now in our day, 2022, because it's coming through for us in our day. His prayer is, Father, righteous Father, I've made you known to John. I've begun this work. I've made you known. I've demonstrated it. I've shown what sonship's like. Now I've begun. And Father, I'm going to go on making you known to John continuous, progressive. Why? Why? In order that the love you have for me, perfect Papa's love, is going to be rushing through deep inside him until he is so sunned and daughtered, wrong grammar, but you understand, that they're overwhelmed with the sense of the Father that really wants them both. So Jesus is saying, I'm going to go on doing it day after day after day after day. What do we do? Yes, please, Jesus, I'd like more. That's the end of the first half. Can you take that prayer? Can you take that prayer and make it very personal? It's very personal. You can say that's mine. Why? Because Jesus promised it till he comes back. We're caught up, you and I, in the possibility of a deepening discovery as Jesus says, of course I'll show you the Father. Amen.